Welcome to Sleep Talk Snapshots, bringing you the latest on sleep from around the world. I asked Professor Dan Bicey from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine for his perspective on healthy sleep. Uh, Dan's been an important researcher in healthy sleep and continues to research in this area. So thanks for joining us, Dan. My pleasure to be here. Now, we're going to talk about healthy sleep, and it seems such a simple question, but everyone seems to have a different definition of what healthy sleep is. What's yours? I think of healthy sleep as, as a pattern of sleep and wakefulness that is adapted to the individual's needs and that promotes their optimal physical and mental health. So why is it so important to try and define healthy sleep? Well, I think that it's, it's really critical because defining healthy sleep gives us a target to aim for. It gives uh, individuals a target that they can aim for in their personal lives. It gives healthcare providers a target to recommend to their patients. And it gives policymakers uh, something to shoot for in terms of promoting uh, the, the broader health of, of populations at large. Um, I think that defining healthy sleep can be a little bit tricky because since each of us sleep every day, it's easy to, to sort of gloss over it and, and not give it much thought. Um, but I think that it really does uh, warrant our, in- our attention. Yeah, and that definition you talked about is so different often from how we approach things as health professionals. Mm -hmm. You know, we're often just in the, you know, treat disorders and then job's done. Right, right. And do you think, you know, it's a bit of a challenge for us. How do you think we're going to get out of that framework of thinking about sleep? Well, I, I certainly think that it's important and relevant to think about particular sleep disorders. In, in the medical profession, what we mainly spend our time doing is, is treating disorders. And certainly the history of sleep medicine has been one of showing us that sleep disorders uh, have important consequences for our health. Uh, just to take uh, two very common examples, uh, insomnia and sleep apnea, we know that these conditions are associated with, with adverse long-term outcomes, including cardiovascular disease and even mortality, things like onset of depression are related to these disorders. So I don't want to minimize the importance of identifying those conditions. Problem, I think, is that sleep is something that everyone does every day of their life, nearly every day of their life. And sleep disorders only covers a relatively small percent of the population. So while sleep apnea is important to identify, I think the really interesting question from a sleep health perspective is how can every individual in the population maximize their sleep to promote the greatest degree of mental and physical health? Now, in that perspective, people have also gathered a lot of information. We know, for instance, that short sleep duration, as reported by people in the population, is again related to a a range of, of poor health outcomes ranging from depression to obesity to diabetes to cardiovascular disease, and again, even mortality. So that's, that's sleep duration. The problem, I think, is that if we equate our sleep health only to sleep duration, then we're missing a lot of aspects of sleep that are also important. So as an example, we also know that quite aside from sleep duration, that a person's perception of their sleep quality is related to all sorts of health outcomes. We know that the timing of sleep is related to all sorts of health outcomes. 
And furthermore, we know that our sleep is not characterized by just one dimension at a time. So it's not that we have a certain amount of, of sleep every day. It's that we have a certain amount of sleep of a certain quality at a certain time every day. And we, we know that our sleep may be regular every day of the week, or it may differ every day of the week. So I think the, the real key concept of sleep health is that we need to simultaneously consider all of those dimensions of sleep, and all of those dimensions together are what defines optimal sleep health and what promotes our optimal physical and mental health. Yeah, I really love that. But it does go way beyond often what we would normally think of in our clinical practice. Right. Um, and it's a bit of a challenge then to us in the field mm -hmm. to keep moving uh, forward and to shift those. It is, but I think in, in some ways it's also consistent with what medicine can do in more of a, a public health or a health promotion framework. So consider, uh, for instance, in a, in a different field in cardiology, that identifying people who have congestive heart failure, identifying people who have had a myocardial infarction is very, very important. We need to identify those cases and we need to treat those cases. But the fact is that the majority of the population does not have congestive heart failure and the majority of the population has not had a myocardial infarction. That does not mean that the cardiovascular health of all those other people is optimal. So just as, as people have tried to promote optimal cardiovascular health, I think the challenge for those of us in sleep medicine is not only to identify sleep disorders, but to help promote optimal sleep health. Yeah, and when I talk to people about sleep, if I'm running workshops and sort of really ask groups of people what they think good sleep is or what they think healthy sleep is, in actual fact, it's never about the sleep disorders. It's always about how it feels and sometimes about what a, what a bed partner might see or the functional outcome, you know, is it restorative for them and allow them to have good health. Yeah, the public's in that space. Often we're not quite in that space, so we need to sort of move forward with that. That's right. Now, I was interested in your paper in Sleep in 2014, you proposed a scale to measure sleep health. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk us through the different domains in that scale? First of all, I, I guess I would say that the important thing is to reiterate, as I've, as I've already said, that sleep is not just one dimension. Sleep, uh, Good sleep is really an aggregate of multiple dimensions. And in, in my paper, I had proposed five dimensions. I, I've already sprouted another one, though. Uh, so now I, I'm, I'm up to six, and I think that we can hold it there for a while. But the dimensions that okay. I propose are, are these. They're the regularity of our sleep. They're satisfaction, alertness, timing, efficiency, and duration. So the, the acronym currently is RU-SATED. RU is for regularity. Uh, S is satisfaction. A is alertness. T is timing, E is efficiency, and D is duration. You've got to come up with something that starts with you. You need your seventh criteria. <laughs> um, I'll work on that. <laughs> so we, we're working with those, with those uh, currently six dimensions, although maybe, uh, maybe I'll need to expand it to seven. But something else that I think that I'd like to emphasize is that those seven dimensions can be measured a number of ways. So certainly people can report on each of those dimensions. You can either, you know, just report kind of what your general habitual pattern is, but we can also measure people's sleep on a day-to-day -day basis through self-report with something like a sleep log or sleep diary. 
Um, many of these dimensions are also accessible to objective measures such as uh, actigraphy or motion detectors, very similar to the, to the type that are available in, in uh, personal monitoring devices like Fitbits and, and so forth. And uh, some of these dimensions of sleep are, are even amenable to, to measurement with, uh, with measures such as a sleep study or, or polysomnography. So one of the things I like about this way of thinking about sleep health is that we actually can measure it through self-report, through behavior, and through physiology. Yeah, I really like that too. And being able to try and quantify sleep health rather than it being this nebulous, intangible right. sort of thing and we we feel if, okay, you're functioning okay, well, sleep yeah. must be okay because you, you're you feeling okay. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the, the previous research that, our, that people in our field have done has really pointed the way to to what some of the optimal um, variables may, may be for, for each of these dimensions. So, for instance, uh, in terms of sleep duration, to take the one that has received the most attention in the literature, we, we have a pretty good idea that for, for adults, most adults have the lowest health risk when they get something like seven to nine hours of sleep at, at night. So we can sort of uh, distinguish that good sleep health probably includes a duration of sleep between seven and nine hours. So we know that we see health risks start to increase with as little as six hours of sleep at night and certainly with four, but also on the other end that, that, that sleep durations that are too long are also associated with poor health outcomes. So again, with, with these different dimensions, it's not completely guesswork as to what the, the ideal parameter is. To take one other example, for people who are not night shift workers, we know that uh, in the population, the middle point of our sleep typically occurs between the hours of 2 o'clock a.m. and 4 o'clock a.m. So if a person's sleep is not centered on approximately 3 o'clock a.m., then they may you know, they may suffer uh, health risks associated with the sleep that's too early or too late. In terms of the efficiency of sleep, again, some health risks go up when a person takes longer than, say, 30 minutes to either fall asleep or, or 30, 30 minutes of wakefulness in the middle of the night. So, again, my point is that the, the previous work that people have done has actually pointed us to what may be more or less optimal values for each of these different parameters. Yeah, and where do you think this concept of sleep health is going? So how do you hope this unfolds over the next few years? Well, uh, the first thing that, that my colleagues and I uh, have been doing is we've really been trying to take advantage of the large amount of data that has already been collected in various types of, of uh, uh, research studies, typically large cohort studies that ha have studied um, fairly large numbers of people in the population uh, and, who, and studies that have measured health outcomes as they unfold longitudinally. So what we plan to do is to look at some of those health cohorts to kind of retrospectively define for each individual how they were doing on each of these different sleep health dimensions 
and then to look at their follow-up data to see if indeed better sleep health was associated with better outcomes and if worse sleep health was associated with worse outcomes. Yeah, that's great. And be helpful if we can have that sort of data and even show third-party payers like insurers and governments that investing in sleep health actually will produce dividends and increase the health of the the population. And I think from the health health, uh, payers and providers perspective too, one of the things that this this approach adds is that um, it, it really can be added on top of kind of the, the more, more what I would call the sleep medicine approach. That is, you know, you may identify a person who has sleep apnea and by all means, uh, you know, that person needs uh, positive airway pressure to treat their sleep apnea, but that treatment doesn't guarantee that they have good sleep health. So if that person is using their CPAP but still only getting four hours of time in bed at night, or if they're you know, not going to bed until four in the morning, their health may still be at risk on the basis of, of sleep. So, so we can kind of add this uh, sleep health promotion aspect on top of the treatment for their sleep disorder. So it's really just kind of an uh, an orthogonal, uh, an independent way of thinking about our sleep. Great. Thanks very much for that, Dan. And thanks for challenging us on our concepts of what we really think of and what we're trying to shoot for with healthy sleep. Great. For the A to Z of sleeping well, head to the hub, sleephub.com.au. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.